0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. Several central banks have now launched their own central bank digital currencies, and U.S. policymakers are now discussing the idea. Cato's Nick Anthony is co-author of a new Cato paper detailing the risks and myths surrounding CBDCs. He argues that the potential new currency would deliver zero unique benefits for the American people, while at the same time posing serious risks to financial privacy and economic freedom. You and I have now talked about uh, digital currencies, central bank digital currencies a couple of times now. And when proponents talk about it does everything, it's uh, like a late night infomercial, this thing can do it all. Uh, what
1: are they talking about?
0: What are the specific features that they point to?
1: There's a little bit of a laundry list here that people point to, but the most common ones are that people point to improving financial inclusion, faster payments, monetary policy, and for the dollar specifically, really establishing and protecting the dollar status as the world's reserve currency. Those are typically the ones that we hear most often come forward by proponents. So,
0: um, Christine Lagarde, our uh, colleague, George Selgin, has mentioned uh, some comments that she had made, I guess, a while back. And her comments were sort of rooted in what seems like a fear that crypto broadly will supplant central banks. And if you follow a lot of crypto superfans, they'll say, well, duh. Of course, that's the case, Um, but she talks about central bank digital currency as a potential solution to central banks being supplanted by these uh, new technologies that, you know, as far as a lot of people concerned are still concerned, even long-time, well-respected professional investors say, nah, it's garbage, and uh, of course, the jury's still out, uh, but w- when we talk about central bank digital, digital currencies, it doesn't seem like a good argument to say this is useful because it keeps central bankers like
1: me running the show. Exactly. And she said that almost verbatim. She said that central bank digital currencies keep us in the game. And I think we should make no mistake that central bankers see cryptocurrencies as the first major challenge to the monopoly that they've been given on money and payments. They see it as the first major challenge since we actually had free banking hundreds of years ago. And George Selgin has written extensively on this topic. And I really encourage folks to go look at the record that he's built up because The other problem with this this concern about competition with central banks is that Lagarde tried to frame this as, well, look at the historical record, and when there was competition, the system was awful, it was inefficient, it was fraudulent and the like, and we're just seeing that with new competition. But the problem is, and as George has done really well to explain in depth, there really wasn't that experience where actual free banking and competition were allowed to happen. In the United States, it was not free banking. They were constantly undermined by different rules and regulations. For example, some folks might not realize this, but banks in the United States were not even allowed to cross state lines. They were not even allowed to have branches in multiple states until just the 90s. I mean, to to concentrate risk like that is almost unbelievable and it's really unfortunate that central bankers have had such a harsh reaction that they want to completely reinvent the money in all of our pockets and do it for this one concern and now they've tried to spin up all these benefits but none of them actually hold true
0: yes it would be fair to understand Uh, Lagarde's comments and other proponents of central bank digital currencies, uh, uh, many of those arguments as we need to stay uh, not just relevant, but in control of of money. State issued money needs to be the money and all the other arguments and benefits seem to follow or be maybe a post hoc rationalization for this is why we're doing this after that you understand that this would be a fairly disruptive Mm-hmm. um in terms of like how we think of what our money is supposed to do the features that money is supposed to have and importantly the features that our money is not supposed to have so you and norbert michel have written this paper central bank digital currency assessing the risks and dispelling the myths um what are some of the other myths that we hear about cbdcs and i should i should note here that when we talk about government money versus Uh, freely issued money that may or may not maintain its credibility with its users, its currency, if you will, Um, you point to the fact that uh, people's trust in government to do what is right is near all time lows.
1: Exactly. It's it's really a shame because so like one of the one of the easy myths to just break down is this idea that somehow CBDCs are going to improve financial inclusion. That's one of the leading benefits that people cite. And it really doesn't seem like that's the case at all when you start to look at what we know. So consider just the folks in this country that are unbanked or do not have a bank account. Now, a CBDC might offer them another option but it doesn't seem like an option they're going to want to take. We know that these people are unbanked because they don't have enough money to meet minimum balance requirements. They don't want to do business with banks because they want to protect their privacy or they just don't trust the banks. So like you said, if they don't trust the banks, sure, a CBDC offers another option. But wait people don't trust the government either. And it's at historic lows. So what about having privacy? Well, why do banks collect so much information to uh, essentially invade our privacy? Well, part of it is good business means knowing who you're lending money to so they don't skip town. But A huge part of this is the Bank Secrecy Act regime that requires banks to file reports on customer activity to the government. I mean, in 2019, banks filed 20 million reports on customers just for their financial activity because it might have been suspicious. So, really, it's not a solution for privacy either. And then what about minimum balance requirements? This is one that we didn't get into as much in the paper, but... It's pretty clear that this isn't a solution either because, sure, you could say that the government subsidizes the accounts, so there's no minimum balance. And let's even, for good measure, let's take the fees off the table as well. You're never going to get an overdraft fee. Don't, don't worry about it. We'll, the, the taxpayer will take care of that. Well, then the account you have has a fundamental problem. It's not a bank account. This is not a source of credit. It's not a source to get loans off of. It's nothing like that. It's just a digital wallet. It's about as effective as if the government went out and took everyone's cash and gave them Visa prepaid cards. You can't say that they're any more banked than they were before. Sure, it gives them access to digital payments, but that's not banking the unbanked. And this is one myth that we go through. Unfortunately, all the others are just as bad. The benefits sound great on paper. The headline reads great. But once you actually ask what this is going to do, as far as benefits for consumers on the street go, it's not much of anything.
0: Yeah, the arguments related to protecting consumers, it seems that uh, a lot of uh, designers of crypto have they want their Currency to have currency. They want their currency to be relevant. They want it to be useful. They want it to be trusted. And they've built uh, sort of complicated ways to make sure that that is the case, that attacks on the broad distributed system will not hold up. Um, we talked about uh, the experience in Nigeria uh, la- last month. And It seems like it's been a disaster, not just because it's a central bank digital currency. The rollout was also on its own uh, disastrous, changing from one money to another and saying all your current money will expire. Generally, not something that governments with trusted sources of money do, Uh, but it seems like almost in every particular, if the issue is uh, privacy, if the issue is faster payments, uh, if the issue is providing, uh, tr- delivering trust to uh, consumers, that crypto is dealing with that. And the only problem that a lot of these central bankers have with crypto, it seems to be uh, that it's not government money. That's the That seems to be the core of the problem.
1: Is that about right? I think that is a big part of it. And one way that We can go a little further than just speculating that they have this problem with this outside challenger is um, in the summer of 2019, uh, Facebook now uh, Meta introduced its own cryptocurrency called uh, Libra at the time, which it later changed to, to DM. And I encourage folks that might be a little skeptical that cryptocurrency is posing this huge challenge to, to central banks, I encourage folks to go on just like Google Trends and look at the the term CBDC for central bank digital currency. And you'll see, just go to the max setting, you'll see that from 2008 forward, there's little murmurings, um, a few spikes here and there. And then all of a sudden, At the end of 2019, it just skyrockets in popularity in terms of the activity of people searching to learn about central bank digital currencies and the interest in this. And it's because Facebook at the time put down essentially the gauntlet as this this huge uh, company with this huge user base that could have offered a cryptocurrency that would have gained widespread use. And frankly, it terrified. Uh, Central bankers and policymakers that they had a real challenge on their hands. And it's just been so unfortunate, though, that the mindset has been, we have this moat, the private sector figured out how to make a bridge, and now, oh my gosh, how do we make a bigger moat? Or how do we fill the moat with lava or crocodiles or something even scarier? Or
0: how do we tear down this bridge and build our own?
1: Exactly. And it's such a shame that that is this knee-jerk reaction. Uh, Rather than looking at how can we build a different future, it's how can we cement the old past? And it's really important for people to be mindful that the Federal Reserve is not this long-standing central bank. It's really only a hundred years and some change. And I say that because we are still figuring out as a society the best way to handle money, the best way to handle our finances, we shouldn't think that it's set in stone. And frankly, having some competition brought to an old monopoly is a great way to figure out the answer to those questions.
0: There's a movie called Mulholland Drive, and I will commend it to everyone who likes weird stuff. But there's a scene in there where a director uh, is, has, has made the powers that be in Hollywood unhappy. And uh, he calls his assistant and asks for some help dealing with some of the problems that have cropped up from that. And she says, your money's gone. And he, and he says, what do you mean? He says, they turned off your money. And that's, that's the first thought I have when I think about CBDCs is, is like, it's, it's hard to argue that the, pro, that the solutions that CBDCs are purported to offer, it's hard to see how that is not already met in the private crypto market but also there are features of CBDCs that cryptocurrencies don't have and no consumer wants.
1: Exactly. The, the risks that these bring to the table, make no mistake, the the U.S. financial system right now, as far as uh, privacy and freedom goes, there are a lot of fixes that need to be made. There are a lot of changes that need to be made. But a CBDC would cement those mistakes. And it would, for example, uh, if one thing that could come up, I've seen proponents uh, joke about the idea that parents could program a CBDC to turn off when they're, or to not be able to be spent on uh, candy for their kids in their allowance. And I think listeners of, of this podcast uh, can already see where that's going uh, with a overly paternalistic government you can have things like like what you're what you're spending money on in terms of alcohol or drugs or the like quickly get limited uh, for example, I really fail to see any situation in which a CBdc would be allowed to be spent at state license cannabis shops. so even though it's perfectly legal in terms of state law because cannabis remains illegal at the federal level, I fail to see how a CBDC would be allowed to be spent in that context. And furthermore, I could easily see just as what happened in Canada where people had their bank accounts frozen during the protests last year. I can see that happening in the U.S. as well. It can ha- it can happen with the current financial system. Uh, let's be clear, but it's so much easier when you have a direct connection between the government authority and the individual on the street. That change cannot be understated and how radical that really is
0: right Uh, money ought to be useful in a wide variety of contexts any context to which two people can essentially agree and cbdc's interrupt or have the potential to interrupt those agreements among individuals
1: exactly it's it's funny when you exchange cash the The treasury secretary's name is on there, uh, the the U.S. branding is all on there, but if we're the only ones in the room, we're really the only ones in the room, and you might say that we're we have state money in this exchange, but it's important to be clear that that it's a very limited presence, and to have a cbdc in that exchange even though we're the only two people physically in the room all of a sudden you've introduced a state actor into the exchange and they're there just the same uh i mean it's it's not to not to uh bring it to too much of an extreme but it's not much different than if we had just skyped them in and said hey can you watch our our transaction real quick let's make sure we get this all right um even though that they're in kind of an invisible presence they're still there and it still radically changes how now we have the state involved at every level and that's something that just can quickly get out of hand it's uh Good for all debts, public and private.
0: Well, (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Yes. Nick Anthony is co-author of a new Cato paper on central bank digital currencies available today. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.